literally like he's literally a clone from another man, Jango Fett, and he has never had an identity of his own. Boba was destined to become a bounty hunter like his father. And in turn, Boba became the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. Think Boba feels trapped and suffocated by the identity that was was basically chosen for him. Like I don't think he just I don't think he's afraid of Boba. I think he knows a lot more. There's a lot of a passive aggression going on between, you know, the mayor. I can I can sense that and just the the dialogue that's given. Yeah. So I mean he's willing to tolerate Boba's delusions of grandeur, assuming that he's way over his head. If they haven't been on Mos Eisley or Mos Espa for five years, why all of a sudden would the mayor tip off Boba and say, hey, I think you should go to this watering hole like literal minutes before the twins show up. They're totally in element. It's bringing these crime bosses to the table, right? But now it kind of makes more sense that the huts are there. They're going to come with him to fight this war because it's already solidified. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Boys of Mandalore podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian. With me, we have Parker and Mike, and we have a super duper special guest with us today. Super duper. Well. You guys were smitten for each other right when you saw each other's eyes. It is the biz. (laughs) The one and only. The greatest. Don't those bantha lips just make you so uncomfortable? (laughs) I I don't like the way the bantha lips make me feel. But yes, we have a special guest today, and it is Biz. He's going to be joining us for this episode of The Boys of Mandalore. Um, We are very excited to have him, and hopefully he's going to be joining us for some other episodes as well. Welcome, Biz. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Enough with the formalities. Let's get into this this shit. So, Chapter 3, The Streets of Mos Espa. So this episode kicks off present day, begins with 8D8 giving Boba and Fennec a briefing of Mos Espa and the different businesses that were under Jabba's protection. And 8D8 says, you know, after the sail barge disaster, there was a power vacuum. Parker called that. And under Bib Fortuna's reign, things kind of went sideways. Obviously, he wasn't the strongest person to lead like Jabba the Hutt was. So he divvied up Mos Espa amongst three different families. Uh, we have the city center, which was given to the Trandoshans, who we saw, what was it, one or two chapters ago? The Aqualish, who maintained the workers' district. And then the starport and the upper sprawl is held by the Clatoonians. And the Clotunians are the, the faction that we haven't seen yet come to the table. And they did not provide any tribute at the at the very first episode of Boba Fett. So this is the pit bull looking race that I see at the table of the um the trailers. And I think that I thought that we were gonna see him on this episode, but I'm pretty sure we're gonna see him next episode and uh for Boba and this guy or the or the leader of this syndicate to come to terms and have a meeting. I think that this episode, I mean, we can get into it later on, but 
really a, a big primer, I'm guessing, for next episode and probably the next few. Um, I thought it was interesting here that 8D8 mentioned, you know, that Bib was so weak, much weaker than Java, and he relied on these weak alliances to kind of keep his title in check. And he also, while doing this, was lining the pockets of Mayor Makshaiz. Yeah, this is kind of giving a little political history about Mosespa and the three crime families that are in control of the territories. We learn that each family is giving tribute to Mayor Makshaiz, which is very interesting indeed. Yeah, and I think it clarifies his potential motives. I mean, we know in last chapter, he said, oh, I, I didn't send the night wind to kill you. But I think it makes sense. He probably is lying to Boba because, you know, you have this nice setup where you're getting a good cash flow. And then Boba comes in and starts disrupting that. Probably going to be pretty pissed. Well, I think everybody's trying to kind of basically feel everybody out. Like, I don't think we should trust anybody. We shouldn't trust, like, anybody as far as, like, the mayor. Like, he keeps sending him every which way. I think Boba Fett's kind of just waiting to see what's going to happen because he knows as Daimyo he's going to attract that heat, right? Yes, he is playing cautiously, which, I mean, is attacking nonetheless, but we see that kind of bite him in the ass, right? So let's continue with the scene, Ian. Uh, Boba and Fennec believe that with the lack of power that the mayor holds, they still don't really think he's behind the Nightwind assassins. And they wonder, could it be the huts? And... Boba tasks Fennec with asking around. At this point in time, we have somebody interrupt this briefing and come to petition with Boba. And we meet this watermonger. His name is Lorth Appeal from the Workers' District. I believe you have my stapler. <laughs> it's Milton from Office Space. So good to see him. Uh, Milton basically shows up and even before he petitions, he kind of just lays it all out on the table with Boba and says, you know, the streets have turned to chaos since you've taken over and nobody respects you, which is pretty bold to come in swinging. Yeah. Let's kind of, let's kind of walk into this scene a little bit. So he enters and he's the watermonger of the workers district. He says, no one respects you um, ever since Fortuna passed away and the, and the streets have turned to chaos. Um, Boba kind of looks at Phoenix and says, this is the first I've heard of it. Uh, no, it's true. I, I've, I've insulted on, on uh, your behalf. Stock was stolen from, from my outfit. So which is water. So this is kind of interesting because he's coming from the workers district, right? It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for this guy to seek out uh, help from Boba Fett while Boba is daimyo in, within the area but the watermonger is a member of the group that controls one third of the entire district I'm sure that the group which is the Aculish controlling this district it has some sort of enforcers in order to control this area if the, if the workmen's group is strong enough to hold one third of the district against two other major powers and is incapable of dealing with this small group of thieves stealing water from one of their members, I simply, it doesn't make sense to me that he would go to Boba. This was a really awkward interaction. It, it was like, even to an acting level, it just was right. way off tone, way off tone, I thought, like for being a serious subject matter, and it, it just was awkward. He, 
he kind of plays like that passive aggressive role, like the major domer of the mayor. And he's just looking for the advantage and capitalism of the chaos that he's basically creating um, due to the, uh, the inflation of his product, which is the water. So I just found that kind of awkward in a way. It must be the writing because I didn't like that interaction kind of at all. I think we see him later and it is, it's still, it's almost like staged the later interaction he has with him, I think. But his conversation with Bob is definitely super awkward, like you both have said. And like several times he brings up, you know, I'm insulted on your behalf. But then he also quickly throws like, this never happened to other, other daimyos. Well, I mean, it, it, I, I mean, it kind of makes sense because he's going to the main daimyo and kind of prying him to to do his bidding, to handle things the way he wants it to be handled. And that's, I don't know, it just kind of threw me off. And then how willing he was to say, hey, if you can do this for me, I'll double my tribute to you. It felt like filler content when the episode already had a lot of other things going on. Correct. That could have expanded on instead of putting in this little, <laughs> I, I, may, maybe it'll pay off. I don't know. I'm having problems with this episode and I'm going to kind of hash out a couple of reasons why, but it was shit. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, it is kind of a filler episode and we did have a lot of those with Mandalorian, but I think, you know, you have to kind of prime the pumps for bigger things to happen. So hopefully it's set in the stage. I mean, I, I get that, but, but the writing here is, is super off and it just feels like things hit budget. Like it hit the budget realm and, and the writing is kind of weird. Like in this interaction is Boba's like, I, I sell water and Boba's like, Oh, I grew up surrounded by water, which is a line. It was kind of like Rick from Anchorman. I love lamp. I love lamp. It just, it didn't fit the... I love water. Oh, oh, I'm surrounded by water. I think it was, I mentioned this to Ian before anybody got on, like the tone is different. Hmm. Like I just got done watching Mando. Who's directing this one? This was Robert Rodriguez, written by Favreau. Okay, continue. That was written? Mm -hmm. This was written by Favreau. Oh boy, okay. (laughs) <laughs> how do you feel about that part i'm not feeling too good about that did you, has he written anything else i mean he's written every he's written, written just... most of this but maybe it's just the execution is just uh... anyway continue where are we at after this interaction boba fennec and his gamorian guards go to the workers district at night um trying to scope out the situation and they come across this biker gang who the watermonger says, you know, they're half man, half droid. They alter their bodies with droid parts. And Mm. I'm not going to lie. These guys look like they're straight out of like cyberpunk, which I know a lot of, I've read a lot of people having complaints about it. It didn't really take me out of it much because. Oh, I will tell you how it took me out. It was off. I agree. It was off. It's not fitting of Tatooine. not fit. It doesn't the, fit yeah, Tatooine. The characters didn't Maybe fit. they're from <laughs> Coruscant. Well, here's the thing, okay? Let's let's walk through this altercation. He find Boba finds him. They're not hiding. They're they're openly stealing this water. 
so he kind of approaches the game, the gang. Hey, this is you're stealing this water. Hey, look, old man. She does. She knows who Boba is. My name is Boba Fett. We know who you are. Go back to your palace. Watch your tongue. I'm the daimyo of this town, and I will bring order. You're a crime boss like the rest of them. If you're daimyo, then why do you then why do you let the the monger charge us a month's wage of weeks of water? Okay, I understand the inflation of of what's going on, but the thing is, is like they're in the workers' district. They have she says they they have no work, but yet they have these cybernetics that are enhancing their bodies. And these shiny, slow-ass fart bikes. You think, you think they paid for that with their hard-earned money? I, I'm, I'm betting they stole most of it. But, but that's the thing. is like There's shops everywhere. There, there's, there's no jobs to be found. But, I mean, I understand this is – it just doesn't fit. Like, if they, if they, were, if they were stealing this stuff, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have – thousands of credits in in cybernetics they wouldn't have these super super duper shiny shiny bikes so i'm having a hard time with this scene right here it was almost like favro like as like a boomer was writing like his rendition of of like a millennial and how they would act but it just just i don't know it you could tell it was not from it, it was obviously from favro's point of view and not from the point of view of somebody their age acting the way they would on Tatooine. but yeah that's the thing she's like there is no work look around you and when i look around and i see that it just didn't it just didn't fit so boba removes his helmet and he says I, I really like this part. And he's like, can we say, sorry to interrupt, please stop taking the helmet off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, he's constantly taking that helmet I, off. I'll kind of get to that, but especially in like more serious altercations and when he, um, consulting with especially other members of a, of a different district, he, he takes, he has the helmet off. So I think he would have that helmet in that interaction, but I understand where you're coming from there, Biz. But he does take the helmet off and says, then you will work for me, which I like that, but just that wasn't really fitting to me. Ian, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you guys kind of covered it. It is an odd interaction. It was very focused on today where I swear the older generation is like, these lazy kids don't want to work sort of a sort of a thing, but <laughs> We do get the weird interaction with Milton, though, right? Like he just comes out of nowhere, right? Which, to your point, Parker, like it, they, it wasn't it wasn't fifty, planted. it wasn't twenty five, it was seriously fifteen feet away of the place they were mm-hmm. they they were standing. So for the the Aklu, the Aklu-ish Don to reside over this district and not have any sort of of uh, enforcement or law enforcement when they're standing right in front of his of his place of business stealing the water in front of boba it was weird i thought it was weird though like how quickly he came out like he had to have just been sitting like at his front door being like all right i'm gonna watch this guy throw down and then all of a sudden be like what the freak like i mean obviously he's he's trying to make it work in his benefit right you're talking about it made it feel like it was a a trap or something yeah. almost like like they were working together with how quickly he came out the first thing you, you thought was were they were they working together what was this planned did they bring him here for a yeah. reason because he was he was like you said 15 feet away from them before boba got there yeah it was very like 
Ashton Kutcher, you got punked. Yeah, so he runs out. He runs out and says, "He's like, you're gonna let them walk away." I mean, he rec- Boba recruits them to his cause, which I mean is cool. And he's he's starting to build this infrastructure in his army. And he runs out. He said, "Hey, you stole. They are stolen for me, and you're gonna let them walk. What do they owe you? Thirteen hundred credits for water." And he just gives them five hundred credits and tries to to settle this. And the way he handled the situation, I liked, but he just, he was smelling the bullshit from this guy. Yeah. After they leave and like, he puts up a front and he's like 500, they owe me 1300. And Bo was like, well, that's what you get. If you want to work here in my district, you're going to accept that and you're going to have to cut your prices. And then they like walk away and friggin' Milton is just continues to be awkward so i don't know maybe it's just the milton character but he's just like i'm gonna look at my money and then be like yeah, yeah all right whatever like his his character was very awkward for me which well is what it is. It, it, i mean after that interaction and he gave him the 500 credits i mean he doesn't look happy and that might come to bite boba in the butt again for with his seek of revenge of of some kind remember he's in he's in a different district under a different faction so that might play a role i i I don't know i can't really grasp after this episode i can't really grasp what's going on now but i mean the rich of tatooine and like may the the mayor and gaza are like expecting boba to act in his own self-interest which makes sense like they haven't really crossed a character like this before and how he's behaving. And Biz, like you were saying, is kind of bothering you how he's behaving and being so nice. And, and, and I was trying to defend that, but now it's kind of being overdone on this, this episode. So, but like Boba's fit, Boba's experience with the Tuscans have shaped him into a leader that he wants to become someone that he's looking for. And he's, he's doing good things for the good of the tribe and not personal gain. We, we, we know that now we get it. I mean, you get a lizard up in your brain. <laughs> he must've tweaked something, changed something, made Boba nice. Take off his helmet. Yeah. There you go. That's our answer for everything. It's the lizard. He's got to scratch his nose because the lizard just bothered it. <laughs> Take that helmet off. So after that encounter with, I think, comes the flashback. We cut to Boba in the Bacta tank. And of course, every time we have Boba in the Bacta, we get a flashback. And this one starts off on Camino, And it's the same scene we've seen a couple times now of Boba sitting in their quarters on Camino, And then we see Django leaving where Boba runs up to the window, puts his hand on the glass and it's young Boba's face. And then it transitions into current day Boba in the back to tank. Yeah. So clearly this is still bothering him. The trip that he had with the Tuscans, I thought that was resolved at least to a more like his mental state being kind of at peace with that. But with them bringing that back, it kind of, it, he's kind of rebelling against that notion a little bit. And I mean, he's still holding on possibly for the Jedi for killing Django and the Jedi being responsible for most of his bad interactions. So that might play a role in the future. One, probably some bad feelings, even for his father. Like I feel like a lot of that is like abandonment. 
I mean, I'm oh, sure yeah. young Boba, like, hey, stay here on Kamino. I'm going to go kill some people. Who Boba has loved has died. We saw that in, well, we're going to get to that. Like, tribe is dead. Those right. were his people. Yeah. Um, his father, Django, was a bounty hunter who just left him there, to your point, Ian. Like, the, the guy has daddy issues. <laughs> but not only that, like, I don't think the trip was going to fix him. I think the trip showed him where his weakness was and mm. showed him that he needed to break out of it. Good so point, I think yeah. the, the dreams are him actually working through that. That's why he's having them. The universe is telling him. <laughs> Roger that. That's why we need you here last week. <laughs> it's starting to bug me that they keep using the same scene over and over instead of progressing in that Camino scene at all. It's just it just replays over and over. The only meaningful payoff I would say that we would get out of that is if this if Kenobi ties back into it. Obviously, we know Kenobi's coming out. So if, right. if the end of the season ends with he he still holds that anger over what happened with with Kenobi when he was there and somehow they come face to I don't know face to face at the end of this or whatever happens it's just it's weird to me that they're not progressing that at all they just keep showing the same thing so there's got to be one big like click that eventually they show us why why that keeps on replaying over and over Roger that yeah that's a good point because in the timeline I mean he's wearing kind of this I mean they wear the same Camino guard day in day out but I'm thinking soon as he leaves is when when Django went to um he leaves to go to Coruscant and then when he comes back he is then tracked by Obi-Wan and maybe it starts to flush it out that way and maybe we see uh, just another version or a different perspective of Boba's interaction of Mace Windu cutting down Django. We played with the idea of Mace Windu possibly coming back, but I rather him just come back in the flashbacks, stay out of present day. But I think I would like to see him the flashbacks for sure and just leave him out of the present day. Well, I mean it's Disney, so we know it's going to tie in. Like I feel like if they don't tie in Obi-Wan to what we're talking about here at the Clone Wars, not only that, but with Chrysanthemum that you were talking about last week, like that's a huge missed opportunity. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, I was going to say it It goes along with tying into different properties they've built. And I've seen some people speculate, and I think it's a little bit out there and wild, but potentially the whole Camino flashback could be Boba being introduced while Django's gone to Omega because they just released the Bad mm. Batch last year. Omega is Boba's basically twin sister. She's been on Camino the whole time. I'm sure there's got to be some sort of interaction with them. We didn't see anything in Bad Batch, but but yeah, I agree with Biz. Let's let's step it up. So it cuts to it cuts to the uh, when they're in the Dune Sea and Boba's riding a bantha through the camp and nods to his Tuscan friends and is off to cross the Dune Sea to Moss. Moss Eisley, yeah. I think it was Moss Eisley, to collect the the pass the the passing toll from the Pikes. Yeah, and when he arrives into Moss Eisley, we see stormtrooper helmets being mounted on spikes, very similar to what we saw with early episodes of the Mandalorian. And this is really cool because it gives us definitive timeline where we continuity. Know, yeah, we know this is post Battle of Endor. The Empire's fallen, and Mike had a very sharp eye. I missed this on the first walkthrough, but as we walk past and we see the stormtrooper heads on spikes, who else do we see? 
Pelly Moto. Kelly Moto and that hair. I mean, that perm girl. <laughs> I know. All the sass she gave the Mandalorian. Like, it was good to see her back. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, if those are confused on the timeline, so the timeline is now when he's walking through that, when he's walking to through Mos Eisley to, and he sees the, the stormtrooper head on the pikes. This is the end of the return of the Jedi. So the empire has fallen. Din passes those same helmets five years later from this point. Yeah, that's cool. Um, eventually Boba meets with the pike leadership inside Mos Eisley. And through their discussion, he learns that they already pay for protection arrangements from the Nikto biker gang, who we find out are known as the Kintan Striders. And the Pikes, understandably, say, hey, you know, we don't want to be double charged, basically. We're happy to do, to, uh, do business with either party, but we don't want to be taken advantage of. <clears throat> totally acting like a Karen over here. I don't understand what it costs to operate on Tatooine. Boba's like, I am the manager. But with that, Boba says, you know, I'll sort things out. You won't be hearing from the Nikdos again. And departs. Just I'm gonna turn the dial back just a tiny bit. When he walks when he walks into this hut or this this organization, um, if you take a close look, I know most people aren't gonna catch this, but the Pike's uh dress robes the symbol that you see on his chest is kind of like a symbol of Crimson Dawn, like very slight similarities. So keep that in mind. And Ian, sorry, please continue. No, the only thing I was going to say is the whole interaction, the leader who Boba speaks with is very suspicious. Like Boba goes to leave and he just sits Mm. there with this odd look and is like swirling his drink. Like, yeah, buddy, you, you think so. He does. Um, and it's at this point we see Boba going back across the Dune Sea and he returns to tragedy. The Tuscan camp is in flames, lots of smoke everywhere. Uh, the members murdered. I mean, there were not as many. So hope I'm thinking maybe some of them got away. Um, but we do see the markings from the Kintan Striders. Yeah, that's kind of the things. We see the paint that's on the tent of the for the striders, which actually in Hatties that is a K. We we can like when he walks through the camp and he sees he sees the kid that has passed and also the chief. I did not see the the Tuscan female warrior no anywhere. It didn't show her. On first watch I misunderstood i thought the chief laying on the ground with the red garb was the matriarch but Mm -hmm. upon second viewing you're right that's totally the chief but when he does set them when he does pile them up and and uh and burn them he the first gaffy stick he lays down is hers i confirm that because it has the the straight blade on it and then the chief's, the chief's stick, and then he pulls out the stick of the child's that he was beaten with, which. But he said, "I didn't. I didn't like that the Tuscans are are gone. I understand that it was a, 
it was probably it was i mean it makes sense for it to happen yeah it's super painful and like putting yourself in boba's shoes um i mean he really had nobody in his life after Django was killed he really grew up and became a bounty hunter on his own and had to really face the cruelties of the galaxy by himself as a young kid until he was taken in as a member of the Tuscans and made a member of the tribe in last week's episode. And now that's really been ripped from him kind of cruelly. And once again, it leaves him on his own. So it'll be interesting to see where he's at mentally when we get back to the flashbacks, but yeah, I'm sure it'll mess with them. And I would not want to be a member of the Kintan Striders when old Boba Fett walks up and exacts revenge for his Tuscan tribe. I have to say uh, the first time I watched this, I came hot off of it. Like I called that, like I totally knew like my, the last text I sent was there's going to be tragedy in the, in this tribe, like coming soon. But like after thinking about it for longer, it felt like such a cop out that they did it off screen. Mm. Like it almost just feels like, Hey, this will save us budget and it will be shock value. So like people got to love this because it's shocking and we don't even have to film like the fights or anything of, of it actually going down. And so it, the more I think about it, the more it bothers me. Like initially I was like, I called it like, here we go. And then now I'm like, no, they, they should have, they built this up for, for two episodes, like right. for a lot of flashback screen time and a lot yep. of character development and a lot of relationship building. And now it's just off screen death. Like that's kind of like a, you don't do that. Like if you, it's kind of disrespectful to have off scene deaths. It's retcon. Well, it's kind of retconning the, the scene where Luke gets home and to the, to the vapor farm and aunt Baru and uncle Owen are dead, just, just burned and, and dead. So they're recycling these scenes and it's starting to get repetitive for me. Like I, I get it. It's fan service. I have no problem with it playing out the way that it did, but it it felt so unearned. It didn't it didn't matter mm. as much as actually getting back in the middle of the fight. Well, it's also and Disney. trying seeing Boba try to hold his own and defend them, and maybe then you know, or, or something where he was involved. I think it would hit harder if he. It's was, been it, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mouse gave us the war movie of Rogue One. You're absolutely right. The grittiest Star Wars movie came from Mickey Mouse. But that's another topic for another day. All right. And then uh, I think he gets, after this scene, he walks away, ending the tra- this this chapter with the Tuscans, And he gets ripped out of his back to tank. It's a good way to get woken up. Sleep lightly, Boba. Black chrysanthemum just opening your back to tank, pulling you out to smack you around. I mean, it was pretty obvious that he was going to come after him, right? <laughs> after the threat. Like I said, the the hut saying sleep lightly. Yeah. I mean, this fight scene sucked. He was this fight scene right? sucked. What? He was underpowered. Who? Like, Chrysanthemum. Or... Like a Wookiee like that should be able to like rip someone's arms off, right? Boba Fett, it's not modified. exactly okay. So, 
if he was a smart bounty hunter, you just put some poison in that tank and kill him that way. But no, we got to go in and go ham. He grabs his neck, throws him twice. When he has a hold of him, Boba should be done. This is Chrysanthemum. This isn't this isn't Chewbacca, dude. Chrysanthemum will freaking light him up, which he did. And we got some uh, uh, some scenes of some some decent battle, but the choreography was blah. Boba sustained no damage. I'm going to say that again. And I <laughs> Boba sustained no damage. Dude, he punched him with the brass knuckles electrifying brass knuckles dude he doesn't have a bloody scratch his whole face would be ripped got the off. hero armor <laughs> yeah the hero armor the plot armor he the also he also the Bacta was protecting him because the little really helped din in mandalorian that i just watched stop talking <laughs> stop am i wrong Yes. He just sprayed a little bit. Dude. And that helped and him then, like, heal from the and explosion. And then he bites Boba's hand. And there's and you can see it in the scene. There's just... Uh, it's just piss poor planning. Because there's nothing on his hand. I have a friend named Church, which you all know. I got a trampoline for my 12th birthday. He could not jump on that trampoline. He bit my ass through my <laughs> pants. That... There is a mark. <laughs> there is a mark on my ass today and for chrysanthemum to bite him on the hand which is a wookie who can tear people's arms off and not leave a mark ooh, you see where i'm coming from i felt really bad for the gamorans that squealing was so sad parker <laughs> this was one of the scenes that i don't want to just complain about everything so this one i know because i'm like 50 50 on this episode this was one of the scenes i liked so i i I think just because I have a different point of view than you, I don't know, only from your guys' last episode, I didn't know how strong this Wookiee champion was, this bounty hunter. I didn't know anything about him. And so watching it from 99% of people's point of view who are watching this show, they don't know how strong he is. And so to have him be there, like it made up for the lack of shock value because I predicted the the um, <clears throat> camp being you know desecrated. And so... For him to wake up and you're immediately right into that conflict, I thought that was a really cool. Like, holy, f- this guy's like right here already. Like, I didn't, I didn't expect him to be back so soon. I thought it was going to be another couple episodes before he came back. So it was surprising. And I, like I said, I've already given up on. Uh, maybe I was seeing this before the episode, but I've given up on wanting or expecting Boba Fett to be a badass in this at all. And so when I'm watching him fight, I don't expect it to be a good fight when Boba Fett's involved because so far he hasn't been in any decent fights that show that he's can hold his own or anything. So I get your point of like, the, you know, the Wookiee should have been completely shredding him apart, but anytime he's involved in a fight, I'm just like, yeah, this is just going to be blah. He's going to come out of it. Okay. He's got the plot armor and everything. And I, I found the whole surprise of it, the whole wake up. He's right there to kill him. Really cool. Well, to your point, there are some good, good, parts of this fight and i want to kind of bring that in when he starts to throw him around uh his his quarters he kind of uh he throws him into his armor set i found it interesting that boba reaches for his armor and it didn't work like it didn't save him what kind of 
turned the tides a little bit is him grabbing like the gaffy stick. And then he started to take on um, Chris Santan. What I'm trying to get at is that he, he didn't start to turn the tide with the power that he was given more that the power that he earned through the Tuscans and forged through the Tuscans. So I think that he's going back to the safety of the armor and still being caught in that weird thing where that's where he should be or like he feels like he should be there when he's got power without it. And he shows that through his knowledge of the gaffy stick. And then his allies start to show up when he, when Chris Santan gets, um, in in a bear hug and starts to squeeze the life out of him which which shows like his strength like we're starting to see that right did you guys hear a pop i heard a pop during that and maybe i'm crazy i swear i I was like oh he just broke his back like i thought there was permanent Mm. damage so when he stood up after cracking his back i was like wait a minute i swear i heard him like breaking boba fett so i was like well i don't understand how he how he stood up and he's fine (laughs) I mean, if he did break his back, that would that would give more explanation of why he needs back to sessions, back back to back. <laughs> so, pun intended. Um, Gamorian Guard needs back to session because he got wrecked. What was it like in the neck? Chrysanthemum just like annihilated him. Yeah, he bit him in the neck, and he's got to be put in the tech. But his hand's fine. I digress. <laughs> Unless if he didn't want to kill him, I mean, I don't know if that's reaching too much. Neither. But if he really didn't want to kill him, but you can kind of think that, yeah, you can kind of think that. Well, it may be one bounty hunter to another bounty hunter. They just know each other's reputation. So if it's a matter of like a respect, instead of immediately being like, "I'm going to be the best and I can take you out," because they're both like top tier bounty hunters, right? Right. So maybe it is a matter of pulling your punches because. I know who I'm, <laughs> who I'm fighting right now. Well, and in the comics, they worked together a couple times. So, but um, the fight eventually spills out of Boba's quarters down into the throne room, where the Gamorrean guards get freaking rattled around. Then Fennec eventually shows up when they've got him surrounded, drops that switch, and throws BK into the Rancor pit. Next morning, they're having breakfast. And Boba's concerned and says, I need to respond. Everybody's watching. They're waiting for me to make the next move, and I need to send a message. And Fennec kind of gives pause and says, you know, you should wait for the Huts to show their hand. Well, I just, like, you see you see Fennec kind of, like, enjoying enjoying the spoils of, of their situation, right? Boba can't eat. Like, he can't... He, his experiences with the Tuscans, like he's got way too much on this, like his platter. This is a waste. And he just sees how these guys are living and he just sees it to be a waste. And, and Finnick just kind of, Hey, you're supposed to be enjoying yourself. You're, you're ahead of a family. You should enjoy the, the trappings. And he refuses and seems just annoyed at the excess, which, which is cool for his, his character is just what I picked up on. Um, they, they kind of say, I need to respond with a message. And then she says, you, Chris Santan just tried to kill you. And now he's in his, in his dungeon. You should wait for, to see their hand. And just as she says that, and with Boba wanting to, to send a message, um, 88 chimes in and says, 
the twins have arrived. Perfect timing. And Finnick and Finnick gives Boba a look. So she's back on my sus list. Is that too out of bounds? I don't think so. I mean, because it she knows the game. She was late to Chrysanthemum. Well, I mean, this is a Godfather situation too. So who can you trust? To right. Vacuum. So I think it's very valid for you to think or be suspect suspect of her. What does she have to gain? That's the thing is like, does she, I mean, she wants at the very episodes she's like you should accept their ways. You sh-, like everyone he frees. That's not a good idea. And she was kind of late for this to, to help Boba with Chrysanthemum. And then she throws this line, which just caught me just a little bit to the point where you should wait to show till they show their hand, like almost if she knew the twins were going to arrive. Interesting. But I mean, that could just be the writing and I just caught it that way. I think she's just more tactical. I think that she, I'm not getting that vibe because I just have a hard time believing that whatever she would rather have is worth it when she can have whatever she wants as long as Boba's in charge. But she's not in charge. If, she doesn't strike me as the type of person who wants to lead. Like she's, but she's maybe, maybe, but thus maybe, forth, maybe she seems like the more capable leader. I agree. She wants to do things with a more harsh. She wants to rule with more of like an iron fist and, and, and really show like the power that they have versus the kindness that Boba shows that he needs to have to be able to be a successful, successful leader. But I just am not getting the vibe from her that she wants to lead. So it would be surprising for me for sure if she if she double crossed him, unless there's something else that we don't know about her yet that that would be a, a really valid payoff for her to betray him. It just mm-hmm. seems like she's it, maybe she's that worried that he's going to fail, and she she doesn't she's enjoying the lifestyle she has right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure you're right, but I'm just it caught my eye. Yeah. Speaking of suspicious, the twins are at the front door. And they come and they apologize, which is odd for a hut, two huts. And they even admit to sending Chrysanthemum to kill Boba. And they come offering a gift, quite the gift, little baby Rancor. I think we were all excited to see that, right? I mean, how could you have a pit and no Rancor? (laughs) The whole rest of this scene had me on a high that made me disregard the chase the following scene yeah. <laughs> as far as how I felt about the episode because this this just did such a good job being Star Wars with the Rancor and like just you being excited to get the Rancor back down in the pit and the Huts being back and I, I felt like it was a great implementation by the directors and everything, the writers, to put the Huts in the way they did but then not have them be – because Parker was right the whole time. I think it was the – uh, with a mayor, I think it is, or whatever, and he called that, and then the job, you know, huts came in, and you were like, well, maybe it wasn't the mayor, and now the huts are here, and they're willing, they're they're not playing any games, they're they're just la- literally laying their cards on the table. Here's here's what we did, here's why we did it. Now we don't want to be involved. Well, here's cool the way thing. to implement like, the characters. Yeah, it's cool, but now now it's got me on a a whole different trajectory than before, right? Like I was like the huts, I'm game. They're a very powerful faction. But listen to the dialogue. So after the Rancor pulls up on the on the uh, 
repulsor cart, which is kind of funny that they have a repulsor cart for the Rancor and and they have this litter of people carrying the huts. <laughs> so so all those poor, poor souls dragging those guys in the sands of Tatooine. So Boba says, clear off Tatooine and I will consider a truce. We will do just that. But for a different reason, there is something you should know. We both were lied to that this territory has already been promised to another syndicate. Boba, by who? Promised by who? And then she says, the mayor mocks Shais. We are going back to Hutta. We do not want war. It is bad for business. We are leaving and we recommend you do the same. So after that interaction, for them to, for the huts to say that. It's got to be a big deal. Right? It's a big deal. Do you believe them though? That's the thing. That's another thing that oh, I'm yeah. going to say because, because Phoenix says, Hey, do you believe him? And then I think Boba says, um, what does he say? I have no reason to believe them. Uh, they would benefit on their enemies fighting uh, one another. So it's very possible that they know the intel that these Pike syndicates are coming in. Um, but I don't know if they fear the Pikes. And that's why I keep kind of bringing up, like, we know the Pikes are coming. Like, it could be just the Pikes that are here. Is Crimson, like, is the alliance with Crimson and the Pikes more fortified? Is that what's so strong? Because the huts are like on number two on that list, right? Of of the power that they they wield, especially within Hutton. I'm not familiar with Crimson. Is that in this and I've missed it? It's or is in, that a... primarily in like solo they touch on and then they play a big factor in the Clone Wars. I was gonna say, is this the is this the Darth, Darth Maul his is this his Yes, yeah, so Okay, I thought so. We're gonna get into that. I've read that this is that's the group that everybody's kind of hoping gets involved. Is is hey, let's throw what's her face or Darth Maul back into this. Kira, yeah, yeah, yep. So with with them with the huts being kind of, I'm gonna kind of be if the twins don't return for the rest of this series, it just added like as a nostalgia bit, which I am not cool with but i hope they return uh maybe that's why because like knowing the huts knowing like jabba from what we've seen in the movies and then the huts as a whole and how ruthless they were in the comic books like i find it very very hard to believe that the twins would come in flex as hard as they did on boba and then at the first sign of him thwarting their assassination attempt just being like oh okay we're we're actually going to take off cuz you know these guys are supposedly coming i and the whole interaction like the fact that they bring a rancor complete with a trainer and just leave him there like mm. that's odd to me and they're like hey that bounty hunter we hired to assassinate you you can have him too it just gives me strange vibes like they are trying to plot something else well that's the thing is like like boba said they would benefit if these two factions fight each other and then pick off the survivor. They're both weakened, whoever, whatever side's going to win. She says that, that Tatooine's a worth, worthless rock, but, I mean, why would they come? Unless they were forced. You. I, unless they I, I were forced. Completely. I, I There's no way. There's no way. They, they did the bait and switch. They're not going to switch back. That's just silly on the writer's behalf. You're not going to go make everybody think it's the mayor and then 
all of a sudden the huts show up and make everybody switch and go, oh my gosh, it's, it's the huts. And then the huts come back and say, no, it's the mayor. There's no way they're going to come back and you're just going to go, oh, it was the huts. They're, that's too much flip-flopping. Yeah. This was just the two episode, get the huts involved. Like it's so, flip-flopping I, right there's, before. <laughs> there's no way it's going to flip again. That is crazy. That's crazy. I think the huts were a diversion from the mayor stuff and the rest of the stuff's really going to lean into the mayor stuff. I, and that's I, what I find I said. it highly unlikely we see we'll see the huts maybe, but they're not going to be the main antagonist at this point. They were added as a nostalgia bit, a hundred percent. And I think they did a really good job the way they did it. But they they wanted to get that in there to make to tie it into the rest of the universe, which is I think what the show is doing so well. But they're not going to lean into that to be the antagonist. They've are they're already setting up their own new stuff to take mm-hmm. it in a new direction. So you had to have your your baby Yoda you know, your huts in here to, to, you know, tie it in and make it a big deal, you know, and there's probably going to be at least one more thing there that is on the equivalent of Grogu and making it a big deal in the Star Wars universe, or I guess they have to have their spoiler alert, their Luke moment, right? Somewhere right. in this. And yep. the, the moment would be Darth Maul at this point. So you had your, well, Darth Maul's your huts show up. Well, I mean, his, the Crimson or whatever would, oh, be, gotcha. would be that. So it'd be the mother of dragons, Kyria, coming into the show. That's that's <laughs> what I think it's going. But I mean, it could be a, it could be the Pikes. I mean, they're they're powerful enough. So Boba, who has been given this new rancor and black chrysanthemum, tells his guards release chrysanthemum, and he says, "No hard feelings. It's just business." And then I thought this was kind of interesting. He gives him advice and says, "Take it from an ex bounty hunter." So I think this shows Boba's distinction between like his old cutthroat kill anything that moves. He doesn't really align himself with that anymore, considering himself an ex. It could just be as simple as the fact that he's now in the position he's in, yeah, versus <laughs> versus. Well, about he's him. had those experience with those kinds of people, and he knows it's not yeah. worth it. Giving his experience falling into the Sarlacc pit. Don't work for Skugholes. But when Boba releases Chrysanthemum, I mean, it's shown mercy of like his character, which I mean, it kind of feels like Chrysanthemum's going to come back and kind of an aha redeem moment. At like, Agreed. I, that's an expensive costume to not. Yeah, I know that's coming. <laughs> hey, maybe then you'll see him beat people to a bloody pulp with his electric blara, brass knuckles, which is very cool. We're gl- we would be glad to have him. <laughs> There better be someone <laughs> get their arms ripped off, right? <laughs> a droid or something. But there we go. Boba's being super nice. And it's a uh, taboo. He's getting taboo. Super nice Boba. Super nice Boba. But hey, he gets a baby Rancor. And we get to see the baby Rancor being placed into the underbelly of the palace. And this whole interaction between... Did Danny Trejo even, did they name his character or is he just Danny Trejo? Who? Danny Trejo is his name. <laughs> Dude, I think he's like, like a really good, a really good hire for the keeper he of fits. that. Like he's a, he's a dope. He did a yeah, great job. Really did. It was an awesome scene. And the interaction was really cool because Boba's like, hey, why is this creature so bummed out? And he says, you know, they're emotionally complex creatures. They can be depressed. And... Yeah, this whole scene was freaking phenomenal. Like the idea and the notion that 
calves imprint on the first humans they see and they have little blinders on him. So freaking cool. Well, Boba wants to ride it. So yeah. Gonna freaking, that's going to be his mount. We're going to see that at the end of the season. I'm sure. Let's follow the scene. So, um, like you said, Ian, they, the brain cores are mostly complex, uh, creatures. This is a calf. This was bred for being a champion for fighting. I saved it from, for myself to train it. And it imprints on the first human it sees. They are quite basically peaceful and loving, which gives us another look at Raincores, knowing that we thought that they were crazy creatures that wanted to kill Luke and would just kill anything on sight. And probably that's what they do if they're trained incorrectly. It kind of, it gives more story for the creatures that we I see. I read somewhere cool. that in another piece of video media star wars wise somebody has like a, a cry or something over a rancor dying uh but i don't recall what i read that on like it was like the not the first time we've seen that that humans have been attached to rancors well yeah so it's after luke yeah after luke kills that rancor the keeper is upset by that because that's right now we get the the feel that these are actually loyal uh beasts they bond to one person, basically. Mm. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, that trainer was pretty wrecked. So if, are we going to see Danny Trejo cry over this Rancor? <laughs> is that going to be... Is that going to rip our heart out at the end? This Rancor's not going anywhere. I don't yeah. think, I think he's going to be in the pit by the end of the season. Oh, he's gonna. He's definitely going to ride that thing. But Oh, they... no, not to say he's not coming out. I just think, uh. obviously, I just think Boba's successful and he's... We'll see yeah but he the keeper says like they're powerful fighters and that's where they're most known but uh they form strong bo- bonds with their owners but who else like they're mostly raised for for fighting right and they're 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 trained for violence but who else was also trained for violence from birth in that faction which is boba and it kind of reflects that same path of Everybody was expecting him to be this, and it shows that they could be more. And it's kind of fitting of, of Boba's story in that light. That's kind of what I'm getting at. But I think everybody's complaining that Boba's that doesn't have a litter. You know, I didn't ever see you travel on a litter. This is going to be Boba's litter. <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be riding that thing in Mos Espa. But he also, the keeper also me- mentions the uh, the Night Sisters of Dathomir, and uh, Mike, you want to pull that up? So the witches of Dathomir, also referred to as either Dathomirians or Dathomiri, were a group of human force sensitives native to planet Dathomir. So this is where Darth Maul is from. They were known as the Daughters of Alia in honor of the wayward Jedi Knight, Alia, who was banished to the planet around 600 BBY and who they regarded as the Ancestress. So by the time of the Galactic Empire, Alia's descendants had divided into a female-dominated clan that was named after the regional landmarks, or after each regional landmark. Each clan had a unique set of rules regarding force usage, but all the clans held one rule above all others, never concede to evil. That's our brief. You go to their planet in Fallen Order, don't they? Yes. So 
in the time of of the falling order there was one left which i think was her name was mirin so i think all the sisters were dead except her and she can use power to resurrect them and then help her fight uh in the falling order game um but them writing rain cores is like absolutely true and like star wars legends they're first seen in the book of the courtship of princess leia so they can be they can be written upon well and it would make sense to tie in these characters from jedi fallen order like they've got all these characters that they can pull from that are in the canon yeah, it'd be really cool to see mira mm-hmm. in live action so while boba is bonding with his new little rancor yet to be named um 88 comes in and says you know the mayor's office is booked out and then boba says nah screw that i don't need an appointment we're just gonna go there so boba fennec and boba's new loyal cyberpunks show up at the mayor's office and they are met with some resistance from the good old major domo and you know after pushing and pushing you know he puts up a front and says, Oh, I'll, I'll rearrange some stuff. Let me go in the back room and get him for you. He goes in there and Boba notices, Hey, he just locked the door. Um, Boba and Fennec quickly break in and they see nobody's there. Go outside. Where is major Domo? But he is bailing on his speeder. At which point Fennec says, get him. And then comes the best chasing I've ever seen in my life. I have no comment on the rest of the episode. (laughs) Those scooters travel half the speed of smell. But they look cool. But they look cool. Do they? We we had a really cool Mandalorian speeder of like Anakin's pod racer versus I think Matt was the one who called out that the Vespa (laughs) did Disney buy out Vespa to pull those bikes out of there. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's great. But oh that that scene was was not my favorite. It was just super kind of slow. I mean, it was it was kind of fun, and it shows a lot of Easter eggs within this scene. But I'm just I'm just getting the notion of quality discounted for quantity, and uh, that looked budget. Um, skipping through the whole slow motion chase, the major domo speeder eventually gets taken out and crashes, and then Boba jetpacks on in which is nice to see that he still has function of his jetpack because he apparently doesn't like to use it anymore (laughs) but he questions him says you know where's the mayor major domo gives it right up he says he's with the pikes he's working with the pikes so well we also see after that the um the style the starliners come in and they're they're using public transport to drop off members of the pikes is that a public yeah i'm, I'm guessing that's Starliner public transport right similar to like what anakin and padme took when they traveled in attack of the clones but we see like dozens of them and it gave me flashbacks to like old mob movies where you see like all the mobsters get off of the plane or get off of the boat in new york it's very very similar to that the italians coming in to kill the pinky blinders Ooh, um little yes yeah we get this so, and then the scene cuts. Where are you guys predicting this might be going after this for the fourth episode? I mean, it's obviously going to be conflict. The question is, 
who's sending who and who's going to come out on top. Like, I don't think we've seen the last of the twins. Like, I think they'll be part of the fight still. Hmm. You'll think they'll come back from Hutta, but Biz mentioned that they won't probably return. I don't think they're going to leave. Like, Mm -hmm. why would they send all this, spend all this capital here to, it wasn't it Fennec and in their interaction, they talked about like, they can't trust him. So I have no idea though. I mean, I think we're definitely just going to see a big fight. It's going to be like gangs in New York style. (laughs) All the factions coming in into like one. Yeah, Fennec has a line and says these guys are just the first wave. They look like they're going to war, and Boba says, "Then we will be ready." How big are the Pikes supposed to be? They're pretty big. The Pike Syndicate, also known as the Pike Family or simply the Pikes, was a spice dealership within the Spice Cartel that operated in the criminal underworld from the homeworld of. Obadiah. They also participated in crime raids on Mandalore hmm, to start the Death Watch rule on Mandalore itself. Yeah. So Death Watch, that is tied into Rebels, Previsla. Uh, Bo-Katan was tied to Death Watch for a while. Darth Maul, Death Watch. And in Solo, Woody Harrelson's character Dryden Voss notes that because the Pikes controlled Kessel, where the Spice Mines were, they had a very kind of fragile alliance with Crimson yeah, Dawn. Fragile alliance, exactly. So, I mean, the Pikes, I've seen a lot of stuff. I've read a review and it pissed me off quite a bit because it said, you know, you have the huts and then you send them away and you give us these small fried Pike people. I'm like, listen, homie, you don't know who the Pikes are. Like, they've teamed up with Maul. <laughs> His Shadow Collective group, before he was part of Death Watch, they attacked Gardula the Hutt on Nalhata. They helped Darth Maul attack Jabba's palace. They captured Sifo-Dyas. They killed Sifo-Dyas when Dooku ordered him to. Like, these guys are no chums. Like, they're textbook mobsters. They are the... I mean, there's kind of like four powers of the Syndicate crime head, like... In the universe that we're we're talking about, we're talking about the Black Sun, the the Hut Cartel, and I say the the Pikes are on second on that list. And I think Crimson Dawn, even though we don't know too much about them, they are st- starting to really become a threat. And I honestly think that that relationship, that fragile alliance that they had previous in the Solo story, has now been solidified. And I honestly, it might come in where Kira starts to step in and we might see possibly Cad Bane working for them. Give me Cad Bane, please. I I do think that Kira is so nailed on to show up. Like Amelia Clark has been very mm-hmm. open in saying, I would love to explore Kira more, whether it's in a solo two movie, whether it's in a series, maybe she'll pop up in the Lando show. I don't know. Does that mean that the mayor has risen to the power that he has because he works with the Pikes and the twins were hinting at not wanting to have war with the Crimson. Right. Because my worry was what the twins were hinting at was that they didn't want to have war with the Pikes. Cause I think that would make this much more boring, even though you guys say how powerful the Pikes are. Mm-hmm. I just would hate for that to be the end game here is that the mayor and the Pikes are the bad guys for the rest of the season. 
And that possibly can be the case. And I mentioned that, but that's, that doesn't feel like that, oomph, you know, that, that we might be seeing in the, in the later episodes, especially through six and seven being the finale. I think that, I think Kira might show up with Cab Bane at her side and then possibly get a cameo from Han. I mean, these guys brought in Luke. You, they'll do anything. <laughs> they'll do anything. <laughs> what well, we said in the other episode. There's your Luke Skywalker. That it was yeah. confirmed while we were recording that Dave Filoni is directing episode six. And Dave Filoni is Clone Wars. Cad Bane, direct from Clone Wars. He popped up in the Bad Batch. Correct. So I think it would make all the sense in the world for Cad Bane to pop up. And he he is a name, a bad, bad man that would lead somebody like the Huzz to be like, oh, nope, we're out. They got Cad Bane. We have Chrysanthemum, but no, Cad Bane will wreck Chrysanthemum. He's on top. He's top tier. So Cad Bane might be able to put a scratch on Boba Fett. He already did, right? He put the dent in his helmet. Didn't he put the dent in his helmet? That was a joke because BK couldn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's kind of where I'm. I think uh, we're gonna see. So when I when I thought that these guys were gonna come to the table and he's gonna grab the other members of the family to to take on the huts, um, it's going to be a war and for a war for their territory. If you think that the Pike Syndicate is going to stop with Boba, you are mistaken, and that's why he's bringing the other member families to the table and understanding let them understand that we are at war your life as you know it right now is at risk if you like me or not if we work together collectively and acknowledge that i am the daimyo we can defeat the pike syndicate here's a wild speculation for you i think that this is going to happen and boba is going to go through the next few episodes and build up like his a team Imagine, if you will, before we get this showdown, we have a team comprised of like Boba, Fennec. I'm assuming Chrysanthemum will come back, fight alongside them. What if he gets Bosk? Maybe. Mm-hmm. We have the Trandoshans. What if he calls in a favor from freaking Din? He's like, hey, remember how I helped you get that baby back? You owe me, dude. Like, what if we get that lineup? I would love to see. I would love to see Din back in this. That would be such okay. a cool. But I, I think that they'll go another route. I, I don't know. I'd be really surprised. I, I don't. I don't see it. But that would be that would be really really cool. But I don't see them. I don't. They have a lot of catalog to pull from. You really think right. they to pull from their own show? <laughs> like between, between you know because. Uh, Baloney was a little bit involved, and Favreau wrote basically all of Mandalorian, right? Just didn't right. direct it all. So for mm-hmm. those guys to go back through and pull from the material they wrote from their last, uh, it would be cool to start to form that universe, I guess. But there's just a lot of other – you guys are spitballing names I've never heard of. There's a lot of other material to pull out that just reference their own other show on Disney+. Plus. Right. It's good to – I can picture that hollow call where he's like, hey, Dan, how are you? You doing okay without that little green baby? Um, remember? <laughs> Uh, that favor you owe me, I'm going to need you to come pay that off like right now. Yeah, that's cool. I think when you mentioned boss would be kind of fun because I actually thought with Chris Santan uh, coming in, I, w- I was going to mention this in the last episode, uh, being going to try to kill Boba is that he would give him a call and 
and ask for help to take on the huts with Chrysanthemum. But if Chrysanthemum joins the alliance along with Bosk, and those two don't mix, they, I think in the comics, they had a, a tussle. Yeah, I mean, Trandoshans hunt Wookiees for fun. So there is very much like a war between those two species. So it'd be fun to see them kind of work together, get along, and then be your Gimli legless kind of thing. That would be cool. I don't know. I mean, like I said earlier, I think, was this my favorite episode? No, by no means was it. But I think it primes the pumps for hopefully some good stuff coming up. I'm ready for badass Boba. Uh, I'm sick of him getting thrown everywhere. Yeah, I'm more interested to see what they do with the flashbacks now. Are we going to continue yep. to get flashbacks of him getting revenge, or because you, you guys, you guys especially, really pushed how he was changing, and now the whole tribe he was with is dead. So does he right. go after revenge, weird. or how does this unfold from here? Right? Is he is he losing his grasp on the Tuscans? Like when I said he was grabbing for the armor, and and kind of is that is that dead to him now? Is that behind him? Is that just a filler? episodes we're kind of in a weird spot yeah it's hard to say where it's going so we will convene on the next episode and break down number four and see where this goes this has been fun not not a terrific episode so is you're gonna have to come back when we get fireworks and we get boba i'll be back for last jedi Ugh, we're not doing that. You're just trying to get me on that last Jedi episode, aren't you? Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm going to close this thing. Uh, let's let's see this step up. Let's see this this go. I want to see Boba step it up. I told him to step it up on episode two. Step it up. Let's go. I'm ready. I hope he does something cool with his helmet on. <laughs> And those bantha lips, dude. Those bantha lips. I can't even look at them. They're so weird. They make me feel so weird. No, all I'm going to say is the Emperor has returned. Somehow, the Emperor has returned. (laughs) Dark science. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. 